Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Where ag and life collide. Brought to you by Gowan. Eugene Edwards, lead guitarist for Dwight Yoakam. Country music and agriculture. We talk it all right now. Hello, America, and a growing audience around the world. Welcome to Open Field Radio, raising the hip factor in agriculture. Trust me. Super fun show today. We're going to take a little departure, and we're going to explore the culture, if you will, inside agriculture. Our guest today, Eugene Edwards, lead guitarist for Dwight Yoakam, and he happens to be a dear friend of mine. I've known him a long, long time, but I had this idea of there's got to be some sort of connection between country music and agriculture. Why not, right? And it's summertime. What a perfect conversation for the summer. So we're going to dive into that now. A couple of things with this episode. Yes, we haven't seen each other in a while, so we talk and talk and talk. Eugene, oh, he can talk and talk. He talks very fast. And man, oh man, just get, just get ready. Put your seatbelt on. When we recorded this episode, we started it on Microsoft Teams, and that wasn't working out so well. Not Teams' fault, just the nature of the day so we moved to zoom and zoom worked oh, okay and so we finished it there but we had uh you know the internet thing and a little glitchy and little things it's all good but what a great time and just a very cool topic all the way around on the housekeeping side of things don't forget openfieldradio.com check it out all the shows are there pictures are there all kinds of things are there if you're so inclined you can subscribe there is a little newsletter and a little blog thing that goes out every once in a while just keeps you up on what's happening at open Open Field Radio, and we're always happy to connect with you. Don't forget you can email us, info at openfieldradio.com. Hit us up on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. You can even find us on WhatsApp. We're there. Got a thought? Want to connect? We'd love to hear from you. And lastly, I think I talked about this. Uh, it's been a few episodes ago now, but since doing this show, Open Field Radio, I am fascinated with small towns. I know we have a lot of listeners in very, very small towns. And of course, if you listen to the news or read the paper, is there even a paper out anywhere? Anyways, if you do any of that, the big cities get all the buzz, right? Everybody's talking about East Coast, West Coast, blah, blah, blah. You know what? There are a million teeny tiny towns in America, and that's the pulse and the heartbeat of America. If that's you, if you live there, I'd love to hear from you. If you have a tiny population, I would love to hear from you. I don't know what I'm talking about yet, but I got this idea bouncing around in my head. But it takes connectivity with little tiny towns in America. If that's you, email me, info at openfieldradio.com. Who knows where this conversation will go, but there's something cool here, I promise you. Speaking of cool, we got a great show coming up. Eugene Edwards, lead guitarist for Dwight Yoakam. I love Dwight Yoakam. As we try to connect country music and agriculture. It's all going to happen in plus or minus 90 seconds. Open Field Radio. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. Connecting with the best audience in ag podcasts. One episode at a time, one listener at a time. Open Field Radio. 
I feel like the more shows we do, the more we get to know each other. You know what I mean? I know you, you know me. Oh, look, we're just regular people, right? I mow my yard, you mow your yard. Regular stuff. And when it comes to promoting open field radio, I need regular people to tell other regular people this show is happening. So tell somebody. Knock on somebody's door, call them up, send them a text, whatever, and tell them you're listening to open field radio, and by golly, they should be too. It'll be awesome, I promise, because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. Raising the hip factor in agriculture. Yeah. Open Field Radio. Here we go. Open Field Radio Season 2, Episode 21. Eugene Edwards, lead guitarist for Dwight Yoakam. We're connecting country music and agriculture. It all starts right now. Is that a Los Lobos record back there? Is that what I see on the turntable back there? It is, sir. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some yeah, things yeah. are just cool, right? Yeah, but, yeah, some things, you know, it's not as though, no, that's a situation where it's not as though I recently gotten back into Los Lobos. Right. There's been no respite. There was no lull. I never stopped listening right. to you guys. Well, you I know. think, honestly, one of, I, I, I've seen Los Lobos twice. One of them, I saw them with you at 4th and B oh, in San Diego. 4th and B in yeah, San Diego. Yeah, 4th and B, maybe? Yeah, we all went together. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an amazing show. You been out playing? Um, we we haven't been on the road this month. We've we've been in the studio uh, recording. But we'll we'll go back out um, in a couple of weeks, and we actually have some shows. Uh, you're gonna like this. Uh -oh. um, yeah, in a few weeks we have three shows: one in San Bernardino, one in San Diego, and then one at the Forum, where I've still never been to the Forum in my life. You've never now you you you've attended a show at the Forum. No, that's you, never never, have. I, <laughs> you never have. You never have. I've oh, been busy, Mark. No, I know digging. you're a busy guy. No, you're but busy I'm just, guy. I have not. No, I haven't been to the forum. So the first time there, I'll, I'll be I'll be doing a show, and it's us with Chris Stapleton. And opening is a band called the Dirty Knob. Yeah, yeah. Which is Mike Campbell's Mike Campbell band from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So, but but I've been but I have been extremely busy, and and we you know I think it seems that we're not going to play as many dates a year as we used to. I've been with Dwight for ten years, and Has it some been that year, long and, now? yeah, most of the years you know we would average 110, 120 dates, 125 sometimes, and it, it doesn't look like he's interested in doing that many dates a year. But we'll, we'll always be playing live, and we always just do kind of weekend. And runs. We had four day runs, three day runs, and then come back home. And and that's the. Um, have we started the show yet? I'm just. You know talking. what? I'm enjoying the heck out of this, man. I haven't seen you in oh, ten years. <laughs> and, and I haven't stopped talking the oh, whole time. You're awesome, dude. This is incredibly awesome. And I knew it. I said I'm going to get Gene on here, and we're just going to talk and talk and talk. Okay. Let's talk some country music. Okay. You and I. Yeah. I, I got to set this up a little bit here, because yeah, yeah, for yeah. the listener, you, you and I have a history. We are friends. And we were friends. Do you realize it's been twenty-five years oh, ago? I would think more uh, it than may that. be more is than it, that. Is it twenty-five? Uh, at least twenty-five. I remember. I remember opening the Yuma Daily yes. Sun. There was an article about a guy who just opened a cigar shop in downtown. Hello. Yuma. And there's a picture. A picture of you. You're playing. In my memory, it's a silver tone. I think it was actually a fifty-two K Jimmy Reed. K. And I thought, well, it's a cool guitar. Oh yeah. Um. Cigars are lovely, and uh, so I went down and I popped in and I introduced myself and I was playing guitar, yeah, uh, in, in Fast Gun. And we had the house gig uh, there at Johnny's other place. What did we play? We played six nights a week, five sets a night. Um, so there's your Gladwellian ten thousand yeah. hours um, for oh, me. Yeah. And uh, but 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 I just you know loafed throughout the day mostly, so I'd spend a lot of time at your shop. 
So that's how we met and, and talked a lot about music. And you had already lived. You'd already done your time in mm -hmm. L.A. I was. I was back in. Back so, here. yeah. And then so, uh, but I moved to, and, and so I'm, again, I'm guessing this must have been 1992. Oh, uh, somewhere I'd have to go back and be specific. Probably as late as '95. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong because I moved to Los Angeles in in, 19, in July of '96. Okay, all right. So maybe it's early so before I, that. I feel, yeah, as no. we, I feel as though we knew each other at least a few years before I moved. Part of this is you're a country music guitar player. You play with Dwight Yoakam. Mm -hmm. You travel around the country playing with other country music guys, etc. The cool backstory yeah. to the backstory you just told is. You and I sitting in that cigar shop, blazing Dwight Yoakam discs, as many as we could stack <laughs> up, trying to learn mm -hmm. all the cool licks off those right. early Dwight Yoakam albums, going, how in the heck does that work? Lord and knows. now, look at yeah, you, I, and who uh, knew? I'm actually doing this show today on Zoom. I don't always do them on Zoom, but today, I'm looking right at you, and that's super cool, <laughs> and uh, it's good to see you again. And you know what? Music in general, runs through all of us. But I think mm -hmm. there is a gravitational pull, if you will, with country music and agriculture. And somehow they're synonymous to some folks, and others may go, I don't get it. How did it get here? But with that, country music is not just, you know, a guy in a John Deere hat with a Taylor guitar sitting on the back of the truck, although that is cool. It may mm -hmm. not be all of it. And, of course, it fragments out into so many things from good old country western and country as we know it today and, you know, hillbilly and bluegrass and Texas swing and on and on and on. We can go on and on. Can you give me any insight to country music, how it came synonymous with agriculture? It, it's such a specifically American question to ask, obviously. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of start with at the early part of the 20th century. A lot of the music itself is being played on front porches. It's a lot of stuff Scottish, Irish, Scots-Irish people are down in the Appalachians. They're working that land. A lot of them, uh, especially towards the Virginia area, they're working coal mines. It's a long, long, hard days of labor. And the popular instruments, most popular instruments in America in the early uh, uh, 20th century, it's the fiddle and the banjo. And, and the mandolin probably comes in third. Also in the in the South during Jim, Jim Crow specifically, uh, we have uh, what we call now juke joints, and juke joints are also a, a big big part of this story. This is usually a shack or something that was was put up somewhere near near the field. African Americans could gather there after work and, and, and cut loose. They had certainly earned it. Also, there's. Other historians say this is also a chance for them to kind of just get away from the white landowners. They're just kind of not watched, so they can kind of cut loose and be themselves. Again, mostly fiddles are being played. Up-tempo stuff. We think the word juke uh, as a Gullah word, or it comes from a Gullah word, kind of meaning mischievous behavior, uh, you know, kind of not acting forthright. Others think it comes from the, uh, from the word jute, the rope that you'd, you'd make, jute. And that music that's being played there, a lot of people feel it, that's the basis of, of hillbilly music. So it's, it's swung music, the, the rhythm is swung, it's up-tempo, it involves fiddles. Uh, and then simultaneously, this is being played uh, in uh, this style of this kind of these reels and these jigs on, on, on fiddles are being played uh, by white Americans as well. This is all crossing each other. Also, the, again, we're talking about the, the, the Scots-Irish Appalachian stuff. You know, a lot of murder ballads, real, real dark, dark stuff. But now these songs would be 18 verses long. Uh, I mean, because, again, on the porch, someone's got the fiddle, or maybe there might be a guitar. 
uh, rarely was a guitar, but the banjo was the main chordal instrument at that time. You're just, you're just strumming chords on the banjo and singing a song, telling stories. The Big Bang really is 1927, the Bristol recordings. So an ad is put in the paper, asking people as far as, as they could get them to come to Bristol, Tennessee. They had taken over, I think it was a hat factory was the building, and they set up a recording machine that was cutting straight to disc. I mean, musicologists knew that all this music was being played out there in America. It wasn't being broadcast. It wasn't being recorded. But they knew it was out there. And there, I was like 25 bucks a song. Or something. I mean, good dough. But you had to get yourself there. And so they, for, for a few days, they just kept recording all these people that were coming in from, from all over the South, from the mountains. They were coming from Appalachia. The two big artists that come out of this are the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers. This is how they're first heard. Let me jump in here for a second. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Historically speaking, the Carter family, Jimmy Rogers, just iconic where country music is concerned. For example, the Carter family was the first vocal group to become country music stars. Go figure, right? There weren't just always country music stars. They recorded from 1927 to 1956, and their first recording was made in Bristol, Tennessee, under producer Ralph Peer, August 1st, 1927. And the day before, he recorded country singer Jimmy Rogers. And historically speaking, the Carter family's renditions of Wabash Cannonball, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, Keep on the Sunny Side, wow. All of these have gone on to be just literally institutions within the institution of country music. Jimmy Rogers also rose to popularity in the late 20s and is widely regarded as the father of country music. And uniquely for music stars of the era, he rose to prominence from his recordings. Go figure. Although his live performances became widely acclaimed as his popularity grew. Things you didn't know. This is the and so they, they record this stuff and a couple of them actually get recording contracts and the stuff's going to be broadcast on our radio. This is the first time America is actually hearing itself. Someone in North Texas is now hearing what music sounds like from the hills of West Virginia immediately. You know, not, not that someone from West Virginia traveled a few months and got to North Texas and now showed me something. <laughs> no, I'm hearing it. Right, you dig what yeah. I'm saying? Like, here's the important part where the technology influences the music. People complain about this now. It's like, oh, well, you know, we all, we hear music through compressed little speakers. It's like, yeah, that's right. That's just a reality. Now a lot of a lot of because we because mo now we listen to songs on Spotify or YouTube or wherever, we actually mostly hear songs. We, we repress play on demand. And the song starts from the beginning. So modern songwriters and producers, they're packing all the information as much as they can in the very very first bar of the song, right? Rare do we hear a pop song now that that kind of has a slow build. The Beatles took four measures usually. No time for that now. That's because we're catering to the way that the music's played. Well, this has always been the case. In the Bristol sessions, people are coming on they're, they're, and they've got a murder ballad that's like 20 verses long um, <laughs> because it was to entertain people all night, right? It was like, well, I've got this machine that's cutting to the disc and I'm going to run out of wax here in about two minutes and change. So you're going to have to cut that theme down to about three or four verses. And this is how we still have the song form to this day. We had to cater to the technology. Uh, a lot of people who worked in ag, now of course they were early adopters of, of broadcast radio because of farm reports, weather reports. This thing uh, had a massive, massive influence on the success of your yield. So that demographic had radios in their homes and they're really dependent on them. So you had radio shows, Granville Opry, the Louisiana Hayride, you had tons, and all sponsored by, if not an ag business, then, then at least a food business. You know, um, you know, Bob Wills had his uh, Texas Doughboys because they were sponsored by a, a flour company. This this tie-in is also very, very commercial. This is how, you know, you listen to early Elvis Presley uh, recordings and things. There's always some radio announcer or an MC 
reading ads for, if it's not for agricultural products or, or equipment, then it's things that are catered to the wives of those that work in that industry. This thing is a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. <laughs> it's a very symbiotic relationship. And, you know, and clearly we have the barn dance uh, thing. There's great, great literature on the history of barn dances. This is also sort of the, uh, the more genteel counter to the jute joint reality in the African-American agricultural life. But the point is this, again, this is basically where the hillbilly music starts. Jute joints, barn dances. We've been working hard labor. Can we just relax? And, and, and you know, there's this through, through really hard work is how I will earn my way into heaven. So this is preached to these people for a reason. And um, you're allowed to let loose maybe once a week. So the music, it has an intensity to it, especially the earlier stuff. This is life and death things, you know, going on in this movie. It's very desperate actions. So I don't know if this, that, that kind of gives you an answer of how I, it got there, but it's, it's, a, it's a, a mix of, of just social life and the technology. In the early 20th century, I don't know, we were, we were probably still a larger percentage of Americans were agrarian based. Now we're not. In terms of just sheer, sheer presence, how, how many of us make our living directly through agriculture? However, the way we live is still tied to when we were 90% agrarian. Our school schedules, our work schedules, uh, why do we take summer vacations? Why are our elections that particular Tuesday in November? And that had everything to do with people. Do you know this? It was most convenient to the agricultural life and mindset. You know? You're know, you the very first person to use the word agrarian on this show, by the way. How, Congratulations. What do you guys mostly talk about? Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> what, what's going on? You're listening to Open Field Radio. We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global, family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. Gowan Company. I love to tell you about things that I like, and that's the only reason I want to tell you about them. And if you're like me, I take notes on post-it notes on anything. I'll write something down, but then what? I lose them, right? Well, here, if you're like me in that way, get yourself the Adobe Scan app. I love this thing. Get it on your phone, right on anything you want. That's right. Get the app out. It's Adobe. Come on. It's going to be quality. Snap a shot of your notes with the camera in the app. Bingo, bango, bongo. You save it. It's a PDF in your phone just as you wrote it. From there, you can share it or do whatever else you want to do with it. But the one thing you won't do, I promise you, you won't lose it. Adobe Scan in your favorite app store. Quick shout out to some folks we know are listening to Open Field Radio. Big hello to Beach Haven, New Jersey, Bakersfield, California, Washington, D.C., Inglewood, Colorado, Wellington, Florida, Bogota, Colombia, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Dublin, Ireland. Thanks for listening. My name is James Little. I'm right outside Idlew, Texas, and I'm listening to Open Field Radio. From the Gallery. Global Studio deep inside the Lee Hotel. This is Open Field Radio. Well, think of this. Think of this. As you're talking about this whole period thing, we'll say the last 20, whatever it was, years, probably 20 years now, of pop culture, visual, you want a visual for that period of time? Go back to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. You're going to sing in that yeah, yonder sure. can, sure. you know, and out mm -hmm. comes that music. 
and it begins to chase its way around, chase its way around, and suddenly everybody knows your song. Right. It was it was an oral tradition of there was just various versions of all these old jigs, reels, right. dances, all those things, and they all had their local quirks uh, as as anything would. But once we get the Carter family and, and Jimmy Rogers, and, and then eventually we get uh, like Roy Rogers and stuff like that. But we get these big big country stars in the way that pop got Bing Crosby at the time. These are these are people who were turned into to nationally recognized musicians, and the songwriters come in now. Now it's sort of like, wait, I think I've got a fresh one, you know, as fresh as possible. This is not an adaptation of this thing that people know a version of in their various areas. We're going to try and write something from scratch, as the Gershwins and Irving Berlin have been doing in New York. This is Daniel Carmichael, Bear Flag Robotics, Newark, California. Season 1, Episode 12. And you're listening to Open Field Radio. Modern country music. Now, it's rare that you can hear a fiddle right now. That's okay. Again, things change. Things change. And it's funny because still a predominant topic is cutting loose on the weekend, kicking back and having a good time. I call them sometimes they become list songs. They just kind of list the brand names, stuff that they're going to drive, drink, uh, the cooler in which they're going to store it, what's going to be worn, because uh, they're looking for sponsorship, which, by the way... <laughs> That's not new, <laughs> not new at all. But they, they rarely talk in the songs, they rarely talk about what it is they need to cut loose from. Because it's just sort of understood now, the tradition of country music is that it's the work week. We're cutting loose from the pressures of the day, from answering to a boss, that sort of thing. So I, that's a funny thing. People say, well, I like, I like more traditional country. People will tell that to me. And then I have to ask them, well, yeah, what, what does is that, that mean? Sure. Because really what it is, is the person who's telling me this is 45 years old, she could possibly be like Martina McBride. She's not wrong. It's traditional or old school to her because she was 16 when that record came out. And it does move along like that. You're totally right. I think, you know, if you're a country fan today and you're, you know, you're like, man, I dig today's country, which is totally fine. A lot of us would go, yeah. hmm, sounds like an old Leonard Skinner song. And that's not the bad news. You know, we did uh, a tour uh, some years ago uh, with Eric Church, huge, huge country star. And leading up to the tour, Dwight was doing interviews. And I could tell, like, some reporters, I got the feeling they were trying to bait him into something. But he, he's, he's too smart for that. But they were kind of asking his take, what, what do you think about modern country or whatever? And he says, well, the thing about country music now is that it's having its youngest audience that it's had been probably since the days of Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley. Now, I don't know about you, Mark, but for me, when I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, country music was like old people. It's Kenny Rogers, yeah. Willie, yeah. Um, uh, the guys in Alabama. But it was like it was like older aunts and uncles. I, none of my cousins or no. none of my peers, none of them were listening to country music. Frankly, Dwight is part of, in the mid-80s, is part of the things where, to be frank about it, I think he introduced a male virility, a sex symbol thing. A, he, Randy Travis, or straight, because like young, hunky dudes singing country music was not the predominant thing But when they came for it. Now it is. Now it is. Now right. it is. Exactly. But what Dwight had said in those interviews, though, he says, well, you know, he pointed out, well, country music is having its youngest audience that it's had in decades. We, we can't expect a 19-year-old who's just been listening to country music for the first time for a year or so to know who Johnny Horton or Merle Travis or Buck Owens or any of these guys. We can't expect them to know all that. So Dwight says, our, my job is to go out 
into these arenas and play this music for them and hopefully get them curious. And, and we'll do Honky Tonk Man and, and we'll do Guitars Cadillacs and we'll do Swings and Shuffles and you're gonna hear pedal steel and fiddle and you're gonna, and there's gonna be an accordion on when we do Streets of Bakersfield and you're seeing instruments you probably don't normally see it at modern country shows. And because it's our job to just represent that music as well as we can. And if we can turn someone onto it, We've done our job. So let's look at the evolution of this for just a minute. Eugene has done a great job of painting this epic picture of history and labor and everything else as far as country music goes. But as the timeline goes, in the 20s, we had Jimmy Rogers. We had uh, the Carter family. Obviously, the pillars, the anchors of the entire country music movement. In the 30s, we get the singing cowboy with Roy Rogers and Gene Autry and all of those fantastic period. In the 40s, country music found oh, a bit of a struggle. But in that struggle, they also found Monkey Tonk, which brought us Hank Williams and Ernest Tubbs and Kitty Wells and all of those. An amazing period in country music. 50s brought the Nashville sound. Now that was in direct response to the Honky Tonk music, and it was a smoother, more polished production value. Those great songs of the 50s coming straight out of Nashville. In the 60s, it was the Bakersfield sound, which was an effort, if you will, to put humanity and passion back into country music. And as pop culture would have it, good old pop culture, in the late 60s, here comes TV. Well, and I think country music did it along with TV a la 19, uh, about circa 19, late 60s into the early 70s with Hee Haw. Yep. Taking that visual that was the farm and yep. the tractor and the hay bales and the barn and, you know, and all the silliness that they like to put into that and call it Hee Haw in Cornfield County, wherever the heck that was, but bringing on the flavor of the day country guys along with a rock-solid cast of tried-and-true country legends. And yeah. if you watch that show now, you go, holy cow, these there are, they are country legends. Back in the day, on a Saturday afternoon or evening or whatever it was that came on, you'd watch it and go, oh, whatever. But those guys were all tried-and-true, and it all happened on the farm. It was all right there in living color. I think you, you you painted a great picture of it earlier. Country music is very, even to this day, very community. Mm -hmm. It is very, it's localized. You can even yeah. hear it on country radio today. It is localized. It is community. In some cases, minus the sponsor calls. <laughs> it is personal. And I think you see it, you know, from the early 20th century things. You mentioned Jimmy Rogers and, all, and the Carter family and all of that. And along comes the blues somewhere in there. Again, right out of the field and right out of the labor of that. The song for it, no. sorry to interrupt, but especially the blues, the whole call and response, which is a big part of rock and roll, big part of blues, soul, gospel, especially gospel, religious music. Preacher sings this, you sing it back. Well, this is also part of the rhythms of how slaves had worked fields here in the Americas. Call and response was a way to keep rhythm. If you kept physical rhythm, everyone was on the same tempo, like Vikings rowing a boat also do call and response. So that, and then one day you're not in the field working anymore. Now you're playing instruments, but lead singer sings something and the rest of the band responds. That is literally as old as the fields themselves. So field calls, field haulers become songs. So that agricultural and musical ties is, is going to happen no matter where on the planet we're talking about. So the whole point of this episode was to try and connect agriculture and country music. Was that a thing? Was there any historical substance to that to say, yes, agriculture and country music are connected? You know what I'm saying? Well, conversations are random and they wander and they go all kinds of places until you land on just the right thing. By the way, that's why we call them jukeboxes, because they put those record machines in those old juke joints. 
and most of them could hold 40 records at a time. This is why we still refer to the top 40, because you just report on the 40 records that a jukebox could hold at the time. So in, this, in the spirit of this episode, music connected to agriculture, that's a straight line. That is a straight line from the field to the juke joint to the jukebox to the 40 to the top 40. There's your line. Wow. Wow. Mind blown. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. If you haven't heard it, it's new to you, right? Gowan USA has a broad selection of herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides to deliver customized solutions for your crops. Gowan provides the right programs to fit your unique needs, standing behind our products with expert service and support. And Gowan USA is family-owned and operated right here in the United States of America for over 55 years. That's a long time. Check it out for yourself at gowanco.com and now you know open field radio like share subscribe so you know when you're digging around online and you find those lists of if you like this then that well this one's pretty cool maybe it's one of those they know you buy the company you keep kind of things but i found a list that said if you like open field radio then you might like these podcasts check it out how about smartless with jason bateman sean hayes and will arnett not bad. How about the Ben Shapiro show from the Daily Wire? How about Dateline NBC? How about the Daily Show from the New York Times? That's only the biggest podcast in the world. NPR News and Conan O'Brien's podcast. You know what? You know them by the company they keep. That's pretty good company. That's why you listen to Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, lead guitarist for Dwight Yoakam, Eugene Edwards. Well, talk to me. Let's talk about you for a second. I've been avoiding that for over I an know. hour. I know. <laughs> and, uh, but for the listener, you have, not only do you play for Dwight Yoakam, you play for a lot of things, but besides that, you got a show of your own. Promote the heck out of your show. Oh, that's very kind. So uh, I have a, a, it's an internet radio show. A friend of mine, I used to have a podcast with a buddy of mine where we were always just talking about records, much like you and I would do in the cigar shop. It was really basically, that's kind of what it was. Then it was just really hard for us to get to the same student at the same time. My travel schedule really made it really tough. And this is before we realized we could do things like this by the back to those unintended consequences. So we folded the podcast, which, which had been known as the jukebox graduate, which is something I, uh, a phrase I, I saw from an early Springsteen song. Amazing show, by the way, the jukebox graduate. I was very faithful to it. A very good show. The stuff from which we, that we learned from records basically is, is what, it, what it referred to. And um, so Dave Rayburn, my, my buddy, he's just started an internet radio station called jukebox graduate radio. And it's just playing a shuffle of tunes all the time. And then there's a few program shows. And I decided, um, well, as anybody who's been listening to this show, uh, they would understand why I called it the know-it-all hour. That's... And I decided it would just, it would be me playing, I'm just playing records I dig, old, new. There's a lot of new good music out there. It's just harder to find it. You know, you it used to cater to guys like you and me. I mean, we didn't really have to dig around that much. We had radio and MTV and we had ways of picking up good things, but now it's a little harder for people, but but great, great music is being, oh, you got your classic MTV t-shirt there. There, there you go. go. Great representation there. So there's great new music being played and uh, I'm always, you know, I'll keep my eye out for you know, acts that open for Dwight as one one good resource and just hang out with other musicians and say, have you not heard so-and-so? And it's great because now they just send you that Spotify link and I'm hearing it like that. And then also I'll, I'll take a pause twice in the hour to talk specifically about a particular artist or a record. Maybe something you didn't know about it uh, or maybe something that was very personal for me about it. And that's it. It's one hour and it 
It airs uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on each of those days. And that's the same show. It just gets rebroadcast. And that's Pacific Time to Reading. And on Jukebox Graduate Radio, go to that, that website and you'll see the list of shows. Also, though, I, I host a show for Fender. I've been playing a Fender guitar throughout this. I guess they have a, a, an, an online lesson site. And so we have every Wednesday we do a, a talk show, basically, uh, that's on the Internet. We live stream on YouTube and Facebook. And that's called Fender Play Live. And I'm the host of that. We have guests every week. We talk about songs. We'll do a deep dive on a particular song or we'll do something about technique or a genre. Uh, we just have different topics and different guests every week. I host that live uh, 5 p.m. every Wednesday Pacific time. And then, I don't know when this will air, uh, but I am starting to record shows. Dwight Yoakam has uh, his own channel on Sirius XM, uh, channel 349. It's called The Bakersfield Beat. And we have a new show called From Cow Punks to Now Punks. And it's hosted by me, our drummer, Mitch Marine, and a guy named Bill Bentley, who is a retired music executive, but he was the, uh, actually he's the music editor of LA Weekly throughout the 80s. Um, and he worked for Slash Records and eventually became head of publicity for Warner Brothers Records. But we're banking shows now uh, for Sirius, I think, what's, uh, it'll probably be later this calendar year when they start getting aired on Dwight's channel. You got a schedule for Dwight coming up? People can see you? You know what? Let me, uh, this is embarrassing. I, I never know that off the top of my head. So, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> this is an audio yeah, format, so, so you can edit around. you reading your notes. So, as Eugene fumbles with his calendar and notes of his employment, <laughs> you can check out all the shows, the calendar, and the whole thing at Dwight Yoko. Check it out. Lots of shows all through the rest of the year. If Dwight and the band are in your neighborhood, take it from me. You're going to want to go see this show. It is awesome. What is your favorite thing about American country music? Well, I, well, there's, well, it's, it's, to be indulgent, to be indulgent, it's guitar players get to show off constantly. Sure. For me, country music was, and I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, again, like I said, country was kind of like my older aunts and uncles listened to it. I, my parents are only like, they had me when they were 20s. So they were young people. So I grew up hearing really modern music as, you know, as it were in the house. But then if you lived in Yuma and you want to make a buck playing guitar, you're probably going to play country music. And so that's how I fell into that. But all the hammer-ons and pull-offs and bends that I was learning from Steve Ray Vaughan and Jimmy Page and Los Lobos records, um, were all applied in country music. And then the guitar solo, there's always a guitar solo in a country music song. And not too long either. No. So I liked it short and concise, but you got to show off a lot. And so I would say it's the guitar solos, of course, Mark. Second, that's 1A. The 1B answer is the narrative, the detailed storytelling. I like getting an idea of, I don't know that most songwriters are, or I know that most people are actually journaling. I think they're just great observers. Merle Haggard's observations of how people relate to each other and what the responsibilities are and how they let each other down or, or how they give each other a second chance are so specific and so human. I don't know how you can listen to country music and not gain empathy. Lyrically speaking, it's a very empathetic music form. Streets of Bakersfield, you don't know me, you don't like me. This whole idea of how many of you can sit and judge me unless you've walked the streets of Bakersfield. And whether it be Oki from Muskogee, which was written very tongue-in-cheek, or Pick Me Up on Your Way Down, or You're Cheating Hard. By the way, Hank Williams never says that he was an angel in that relationship. That's not the point. But she certainly has cheated, and this is how that has made him feel. For all I know, she had her own side of the story. But for right now, we're just going to deal with his. 
You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.